Welcome to Passion Life Church. Glad you're joining us, whether it's in person or online. I believe God has an incredible word for you. We have been in this series called I Can Do Hard Things and comes out of Philippians 4.13. And I think it just bears repeating. It bears shouting from the rooftops. Let's say it together. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Come on, if you're online, say it. Let's say it again. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. One more time, as loud as you can. Here, ready? I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And here's the great thing. We can do it because Jesus did it already. Amen? You know, one thing I was thinking about, life can be hard, even with Jesus in your life, but life is a lot harder without Jesus. It's a lot harder without Jesus. And I'm so thankful that he is in my life. And he says that I can do all things. And all means all. It means all, not just the easy stuff. How many of you know that life has things that we have to do, the must-dos? And us as believers, we cannot cave and collapse under the must-dos in life. Can I hear a good amen today? And you know what? Oftentimes we do have hard times. And what we've been doing in this series is talking about what can we do? Because a lot of times when the hard times come, we're not sure what to do, what we can do. But here's what we've been saying. Let's look at what we can do. So we talked about we can praise. God is looking for people that don't just praise when things go right. Don't just praise when their when they're, you know, prayers are answered, but they praise God in every time. We talked about Paul and Silas praising in the prison. Then we talked about prayer. We can pray. Do you remember the church came together and they prayed for Peter? It unlocked the prison doors. We talked about in hard times, we can be devoted. And I want to just say something here. You know, as a pastor, I find that in hard times, Times, most people lighten up on their devotion instead of being more devoted to the things of God. And I want to tell you, God is the one that's going to help you in hard times. Can I hear a good amen today? We talked about how we can change. Jesus walked on the water. We can do things different. We don't have to do things the way that the world does it. We talked about that we can make a stand and we should make a stand. Last week we talked about we can move mountains. Jesus said if you had a mustard seed of faith, you can move mountains. I want you to turn in your Bibles today to Matthew chapter 18 verse 7. Matthew chapter 18 verse 7, and I want to talk about today when things get hard or have been hard, I can forgive. Would you say that with me? Say I can forgive. You know, at times in life, life can get hard because of circumstances that are just outside of our control. Situations are outside of our control. But come on, let's be honest. Sometimes life gets hard because of what other people do in our life, right? I mean, it wasn't our choice. It was out of our control. But, you know, maybe it was somebody hurt you. Maybe it was intentional. Maybe it wasn't intentional. But nevertheless, guess what happened? It still hurts. Maybe you were in a marriage. You know, you went through a divorce. Never in your life did you dream. That was not in your princess dream when you were growing up about meeting Prince Charming and getting married. 
and then a divorce. No, nobody, nobody dreams about that. And you were in a, a, a marriage. You did everything right. You honored God. But guess what? That other person was the idiot. Can I hear a good amen? The other person had an addiction. The other person had things going on, right? They made mistakes and it affected your life and it made things hard. You know, that's tough. Or maybe you were in a business and your business partner didn't do what they were supposed to do. They didn't keep their end of the bargain. And you know what? That made life hard on you. But let's be honest. All of us at some point in life, we deal with betrayal. We deal with wrongs, right? We deal with disappointments. Anybody dealt with betrayal? Anybody dealt with disappointments in life? And it's, it's a struggle for all of us. But I want to look at what Jesus says because I think this is going to help us and it's going to help us do hard things. Matthew chapter 18, verse 7, Jesus is talking. And here's what he says. He says, Woe to the world because of offenses. For offenses must come, but woe to that man by whom the offense comes. Jesus is letting us know just the very fact that you are living in this world, offenses are going to come. Why? Because there's other people in this world. How many of you know there's some mean people in this world? But you know what he also says? Woe to the people who are causing the offenses. Woe, woe to them. You know, and I thought this was very interesting. I like to look up words in the New Testament uh, and in the Old Testament. You're going to see that today. I, I think it just, I was like, well, offenses. What, what does that mean? Do you know in the Greek, the word offenses means this. An offense is actually the platform that a hunter would put bait on in a trap. So when an animal was, when he would try to hunt for an animal, he put that piece of bait on the trap. And how many of you know the bait always looks good? But as soon as the animal took the bait, boom, it got trapped. I want you to say this with me. Say, don't take the bait. Come on, say it loud. Say, don't take the bait. Now, I want to tell you why an offense is, it's a trap right? Uh, here's why it's, it's a trap. And here's why, what can happen when we get offended. It's a trap because oftentimes we'll say this to God. We'll say, God, why did this happen to me? Like all the people in the world, why did this happen to me? I don't understand. And you know what can happen is we can get confused. So we can't take that bait. And let me just, let me just help you with this. Number one, I was telling somebody this week, this was never God's plan for us to live like this. It was God's plan for us to be in the Garden of Eden, having authority, being God's representative, living in glory, right? But man forfeited that when he ate the tree out of the tree that God told him not to eat, right? And God gives us a choice. He's a giver, and he's never going to take that back. But you and I live in a fallen world. Let me just tell you this. There is an enemy who wants to kill, steal, and destroy from your life. And especially when your life is moving towards purpose, especially when you are moving in the, in the direction of releasing your potential, he's going to come against you. That's why it's, it's, it's coming and happening. But let me just tell you another reason why the offense can be a trap. It can be a trap because we can grow addicted to having the, the benefits of this grievance in our life. What do you mean, Pastor Phil? 
Have you ever talked to somebody who they just continue to tell you their sad story? And so then their sad story kind of just becomes their identity and it comes to their excuse and you try to help them. But every time they talk, they're always talking about the same story and their sad story. And so they develop a victim mentality. And for some people, that's appealing. I'll tell you why. Because it, it gives them attention. Their sob story gives them attention. But my church family, you can't be a victim and a victor at the same time. You can't stand in a a place of victimhood and also stand in a place of victory, right? Because then you'll never lead and then you'll never step into what God has for you. But I want to show you something today as we talk about forgiveness. I want to talk about the offense first because I was noticing some things uh, in the life of David. David killed Goliath. He was the, the king of Israel that God had anointed. But I I thought about his life because he had this great opportunity in front of him to go and kill Goliath. And Goliath was a problem. He was a problem for the men of Israel. All the men of Israel were out there looking at Goliath. All of the Navy SEALs of the army, the Green Beret of the Israel armies were out there looking at him. And it's interesting because they saw Goliath as a problem. But when David comes out, David sees uh, Goliath as an opportunity. That's why, don't, don't, don't say the word problem anymore. Say opportunity. Switch out the word problem for this is an opportunity for God to show himself strong. Come on, somebody. And so your perspective matter. But the, how David got this opportunity is so interesting to me because he had been anointed king, and he was in the back taking care of his father's sheep. He was the youngest of Jesse's son, and usually this fell upon the youngest. It wasn't really a job that it was a desire job, but he had to take care of sheep. The sheep weren't even really his. The, the sheep were his father's. He had been anointed king, and Jesse comes to him and says, hey, David, uh, I want you to take some food, come on, to your, 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 uh, your brothers. Jersey Mike's is closed, Subway is closed, so I need you to just, this is all we got. We just got some gluten-free uh, bread and some crackers and some cheese, and can you run this up to your brothers in the battle? What's interesting to me about David is that David could have said, yeah, right, don't you know I am the next king? I was anointed king. Why don't you take your own, right, your own crackers and your own <laughs> bread and cheeses to those boys. They're your sons anyway. They don't even like me. But that's not what David does. You know what David does? The Bible says he gets up early in the morning and he runs to the battle. And it's interesting how God sets this up because his father said, I want you to get up, go early in the morning. He does exactly what his father says, but he doesn't realize that God is setting him up for the opportunity of his life. Why? Goliath only came out in the morning and in the evening. And there he was just serving, doing what his dad had asked him. And the opportunity of a lifetime was going to be presented to him. Say this with me. Say, God can set me up. Come on, if you're watching online, type it in the chat. God can set you up. So he gets there and Goliath comes out, right? He looks like the jolly green giant. He's nine feet tall. And he looks, and I love David's heart because he is a worshiper and he's a warrior, right? He's not a wimp. And he sees Goliath. And this is the first thing he asks. He says, what do I get if I kill this fool? What do I get if I kill this fool? And you know what people say? Hey, David, well, here's the reality. You're going to get great riches. You're going to get no taxes. Oh, thank you, Jesus. And you get to marry the king's daughter. And he's like, whoa, man, she's kind of cute. She's kind of cute. And then something happens. David's older brother, Eliab, 
hears David asking these questions. And the Bible says that Eliab got mad at David. And I want you to, I want you to catch this here because I feel like the Lord was highlighting this this week. Right before a great opportunity was the opportunity to be offended. I want you to think about this for just a moment. And so look what Eliab says, 1 Samuel chapter 17, verse 28. Now Eliab was his oldest brother, David's oldest brother, and he heard and he spoke to the men. And Eliab's anger was aroused against David, and he said, Why do you come down here? And with whom have you left those few sheep in the wilderness? I know your pride and insolent of heart, for you have come down here to see the battle. Now can I ask you a question? What's wrong with going down to see the battle? That's the battle of a lifetime. We do pay-per-view to see battles. What is wrong with that? Now, I want to tell you what this is called. This is called projecting. This is called projecting. You know what projecting is? I'm accusing you of what's really going on with me. Say that again. Projecting, I know you're insolent apart. I know your pride. Why did you come down here? Well, can I just tell you? Why David was down there? David wasn't down there on his own accord. David was down there because he was being obedient to his father. Come on, somebody. He was serving his father and Mr. Eliab. He's actually brought you food. That's why he came down, right? And so verse 29, it says, And David said, What have I done now? Listen to his words. Is there not a cause And I think this is what David was thinking. David was thinking, hey, big bro, listen, Eliab, your offense is overriding your ability to see the cause. This is what offense will do in your life. It will override your ability to see the great opportunity that's in front of you, and you will get stuck. It'll override your ability to see the cause. Look at verse 30. And then he turned from him. I love this because Eliab's kind of just, man, talking smack, and he just says, Is there not a cause? And then one translation says he actually ignored Eliab and he just kept asking. So what do I get if I kill this fool? That's the Phil Valdez translation. What do I get if I kill Goliath? And everybody kept saying, great riches, no taxes. And you know what? You'll get the king's daughter. And look at verse 31. It says, now when the words which David spoke were heard, they were reported to Saul and that he sent for him. And then David said to Saul, This is David talking. This is about a 14 to 15-year-old teenager talking to the king. And look what he says. He says, let no man's heart fail because of him. Your servant will go and fight this Philistine. You know what I find so intriguing about this is that David's saying something that nobody else is asking. He's asking, what do I get if I kill this giant? To the point that's so different than what everybody else is talking about that they actually take that to the king. And they say, hey, there's a guy out here that actually wants to kill this fool. There's a guy out here who wants to kill. And they have to bring David before the king. Because that's what leaders do. Leaders talk different than followers. Leaders talk about opportunity. Leaders talk about victory, not about victimhood. Leaders don't talk about problems. They don't talk about how big Goliath is. They don't keep talking about, oh my gosh, did you see his armor? You know what? Leaders say the bigger they are, the harder they fall. Come on, somebody. That's, that's, what, that's what was in his heart. But I want you to notice something, because a lot of us have heard this story about David and Goliath. But as I was reading this, I thought about, look at when the offense came to David. Look at when he had the opportunity to be offended. Because let's be honest, all of us have an opportunity to be offended a lot. You may have an opportunity to be offended when you drive out of this parking lot. Come on, can I hear a good amen today? 
when you go to Target or Walmart or Aldi or wherever you go, right? You have the opportunity to be offended. And if, is it just me? But does it seem like everybody's offended about everything? Amen. But I want you to, I want, I want us to take to heart today when this offense comes, because I've seen this happen in people's lives, right? The offense came to David, the opportunity to be offended came to David right before the biggest opportunity of his life at that time. And so here's what Eliab was doing. Eliab was trying to offend David so he wouldn't kill Goliath. And when you are offended, my church family, I want you to listen to this. When you are offended, you will always fight the wrong battles. You'll always fight the wrong battles. You know what, Eliab? Eliab, why are you angry at David? And why don't you take your rage out on Goliath? Why are you picking on your younger brother? Why not pick on the big boy over there? Because you know what? When you're offended, you'll fight the wrong battle. The real enemy was not David. The real enemy was Goliath. But somehow, because his focus and perspective was off, he turned to David. Why? David wasn't the problem. The problem was Eliab's heart. Come on, somebody. Can I hear a good amen? That's the problem. And here's, this is what happens when we get offended. We will fight the wrong battles. We'll misuse our energy. We'll misuse our strength. Why? Because you actually think the problem is your spouse. You actually think the problem is your manager. And you know what? So we'll fight with people instead of coming together and fighting the real enemy who his name is Satan. Come on, somebody. Can I hear a good amen? And so what will happen is this offense comes right before there's a major opportunity, right? And so if we're not careful, we'll misuse our strength. Iliab was misusing his strength, right? His, 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 um, uh, his energy and his focus was off. Now, Iliab was not only angry, Iliab was jealous. The younger brother, the older brother being jealous of the younger brother. And listen, can I just tell you from experience, and you probably would bear this true, hurt and offense is a lot tougher when it comes from people that are close to you, especially family, especially family. As I was just reading this, I felt like God told me to look up Eliab's name because well, what does his name mean? Because in the Bible, what you were, na- you were named after, that was your identity. And you know what I found to be so interesting is that Eliab's name means mighty man. Eliab's name actually means strength. The problem with Eliab is that he wasn't living up to his full potential. And I want to tell you that today because there are people who want to live mediocre lives. And here's what they're going to do. When you start talking about killing giants, when you start talking about healing, when you start talking about strength, you know what? They're going to put you down because they have settled for mediocrity. But not the people of Passion Life Church. Come on, can I hear a good amen today? Eliab should have been the one killing Goliath. He could have killed Goliath. Guess what? He didn't. He didn't. So out of his jealousy, he's putting David down. And I want to tell you why Eliab was offended. I want to tell you why he got stuck in this. You remember when Samuel came to the house of Jesse. God wanted a new king because uh, Saul was doing his own thing, right? Saul had done some things and God's like this. I'm done with Saul. We need a new king. And so he told Samuel, go to the house of Jesse. And I'm going to show you my new king. Well, Samuel gets there 
And the first guy that he sees is Eliab. And the Bible says that actually Samuel, Samuel was an incredible prophet. I mean, his accuracy. But this tells you a lot about Eliab because when Samuel walked up to Eliab, he actually thought Eliab was the king. He looked at him, he goes, man, this guy, look at his stature. Man, he's got big, broad shoulders like Pastor Phil. I mean, look, look at this guy. I mean, he looks like the king. God actually had to tell Samuel, hey, Samuel, chill, bro. Man looks at the outward appearance, but I'm looking at Eliab's heart, and Eliab is not the one. This, to me, is so profound because Eliab could have been the next king. Eliab could have killed the giant, but his heart was wrong, and many theologians believe, you know what it was? It was that he could not control his temper. He could not control his temper, so you know what? God passed him by for a kid who wasn't even invited to the party. Because Samuel goes, where, where's, where's the next? There's somebody missing. They're like, well, David. Oh, oh, David? Oh, David. You would consider David? I mean, he's in the back doing his chores. He's just doing what God had told him to do. Well, call him out. This is what I love about God. God will call you out. Even if man doesn't see it, God sees it, and he will call you out. God knows right where you're at. He knows how you're working. He knows your heart. He knows when you're, when you're doing what you're doing. And even if man doesn't see, God sees. Come on, I think that's a good opportunity opportunity to put our hands together because he sees everything everything he sees the heart but instead of getting better Eliab got bitter and instead of getting better Eliab got jealous I love what Robert Madu says he says jealousy is the trophy that mediocrity gives to excellence it's easy to be jealous But instead of being jealous, why don't you just get better? Why don't you get out there, Eliab, and kill Goliath, right? But here's the reality, and I think it's something that we need to know. Eliab chose jealousy over victory, and David's very presence, see, David's courage exposed Eliab's cowardice. David's strength exposed Eliab's insecurity. And you know what? A lot of times the root for fear, I mean, the root for anger is fear. A lot of times people who have a lot of anger issues, they're insecure on the inside. My church family, fear and the fear virus has killed more dreams than COVID ever will. Fear and the fear virus will destroy more people than COVID-19 will ever be. And one day as COVID fades away, guess what? You're still going to have to deal with the fear virus. And there's no vaccine for the fear virus. There's only the word of God. And that's what combats fear. God has not given me a spirit of fear, but of love and a power and a sound mind. And what I thought was interesting is that Eliab chose to fight with David instead of fighting with the real, real giant who was Goliath. Listen to, listen to these words because some of you have been in this spot. Eliab was saying, hey, David, what are you even doing here? To be honest, and his, listen to his verb, listen to his heart. Where, who did you leave those few sheep with? One translation says, who, who did you leave those weak sheep with? This is what he's saying. Can I tell you what he's saying? David, what you're doing is insignificant. The truth is, David was a multitasker. 
Because the Bible says that he actually took care of what he needed to take care of. When he got more on his plate, he actually didn't lose what he was taking care of. The Bible says he left those sheep with a keeper. I want to remind you something. Those aren't even his sheep. They're his father's. But God watched the way he took care of what wasn't his to give him his own. God said, look at this shepherd boy. Those little sheep, those insignificant sheep, Elab, David, you know what he was doing? When a lion came, right, instead of running and go, Psh, these are my dad's sheep, you know what he did? He grabbed the lion by the beard and he killed it. And then when a bear came, I don't know which one you'd want to fight, a lion or the bear, but David did both of them. And when the bear came, you know what, Eliab, he was killing bears. What have you killed lately? Right? I can just see in David's room, he's got a, a lion head and a bear head. And then later on, he hung up Goliath's head. All in a 15-year-old kid. I want to tell you that because the enemy always wants to emphasize what you're not. The enemy always wants to tell you and demean you. David was a warrior. Can I just tell you also who David was? David was the next king, anointed king of Israel. That's who David was. And in these times of offenses, my church family, we've got to remember who we are in Christ Jesus, right? And so this is what I love because he's talking smack. Eliab's talking smack. And you know what happens? David just ignores him. Now listen to this. I want you to listen to this. If David would have got offended... He would have walked away from the greatest opportunity of his lifetime. You know, after Jesus dying on the cross, David and Goliath is the most famous story in the Bible. Kids know David and Goliath. But I want you to know how strategic the timing of the offense was, was right before his greatest opportunity. Right before stepping in to something great. I see this so many times in people's lives. Man, God is beginning to develop them at church. God is beginning to use them at church. And right, and we know that they're not fully ready, but they're about stepping into something. And you know what? Right before they do, you know what happens? They get offended. Whether with leadership or whether with other people. And they walk away. And there are many people today, my church family, who are sitting on the sideline offended. And guess what? I want to tell you are you ready it was the plan of the enemy it was strategic what the enemy did to you because he knew how much potential he knew how much power was in you he knew what you could truly do if your heart was devoted to God but you know what there are people sitting today on the sideline and maybe you're watching today you're offended you know what you're sitting on the sideline I want to tell you something it was strategic That's what the enemy's plan was, to sideline you. Now watch this. Eliab was trying to sideline David. Why? Because Eliab was sidelined. Because he was standing on the sideline. So instead of saying, bro, you're going to go after it? I got your back, man. We bros, man, right? And we're going to do this together. I know it may not be me, but you know what? I'm going to get your back. That's not what he did. He said, you know what? If I can't kill Eliab, guess what? You're not killing him either. And that's the world we live in. You know, have you ever heard that story about the crabs? When the little kid, he got a bucket, and he got these nice big crabs, and he put some water in it, and he got the crabs, and he put a crab in there, put another crab in there, and he started to fill up halfway the bucket with the crab. And then all of a sudden, the crabs are trying to get out of the bucket. You know, they're reaching for it, and one of the crabs will start to reach out, and guess what? Another crab will go behind it and pull it down. Man, why don't you crabs make like them little monkeys? Remember those monkeys with the, with, the, with the arms where they like together? Why don't you link together and tip that bucket over and set everybody free? No, you know what the crabs do? If you're not getting out, if I'm not getting out, you're not getting out. And we live in that type of world. 
But I want you to understand that it is strategic. The enemy wants to sideline you, and he wants to do it right before God is going to bless you. He wants to do it. And I love what David says. He looks at Eliab. He goes, hey, listen, Eliab, is there not a cause? Is there not a cause? See, here's what I've determined, my church family. I've determined that the cause that I live for is greater than any offense that can trap me. The cause that I'm living for is so great. What you say to me doesn't matter. We have to decide to live unoffendable lives. That you're not just going to get offended. And can I, just, can I just say this? A good sign of how secure and mature you are is what does it take to offend you? What does it take to offend you? Right? But see, the more secure you are, the less we take offense. I'm going to say this, and I know I may get in trouble, but you know my heart. I'm Puerto Rican, Italian, and Polish. What an amazing combination Jesus could put together. You know, I'm Puerto Rican. Italian and Polish. I'm going to tell you this with all my heart. People have talked down to me just for being Puerto Rican. Is that wrong? Absolutely it's wrong. Is there hate? Absolutely there's hate. But can I tell you, my identity is not tied to being Puerto Rican. My identity is tied to Jesus Christ. And the Bible actually says for us as Christians, we're not even supposed to look at each other after the flesh. Right? And some of us are getting offended. Listen, we know it. There's hate out there. We know there's racism out there. But you have to be bigger than that and say you can diss on the color of my skin all you want. And I know that it hurts. But listen, there's something more deeper than just the color of my skin. It's the character. I am a child of a living God. Come on, somebody. That's who I am. And you know what my color is? My color is red because I'm covered with the blood of Jesus Christ. So if you're going to tout the color of your skin as how you're going to get offended, you're going to be offended all the time. Because like me, I'm a mix. I don't even know what I, but Polish, Italian. But you know what? That's not my identity. My identity is I am a child of the living Christ. So you know what? You can call me a moron. It doesn't bother me because I have the mind of Christ. See, see, you have to know who you are, right? You have to know when people say something to you. And here's the reality. Here's what I know. And I love what Jesus said on the cross. He said, forgive them right? For they know not what they do. In other words, forgive them. They're idiots, right? And you take offense to that. And I want to tell you, it's strategic. It's the work of the enemy to sideline you because of the next great opportunity that God has. The enemy knows that if you kill Goliath, man, you're going to rise up to your full potential. Come on. Is this good this morning? Listen, write this down. David saw the cause was greater than the offense. That's a mature 15-year-old. I'm going to say that again. David saw the cause was greater than the offense. Come on, say it with me. Say, don't take the bait. Don't take the bait. What I'm trying to do, what am I trying to do, my church family? I'm trying to get you to see a bigger picture, that the cause is greater than the offense. So let me just, in this last couple moments that we have together, let me, we'll talk about forgiveness, but I want to talk to you about just the process of offense. Because, you know, in truth, David saw the cause was greater than the offense, but the opposite is true as well. The offense will keep you from your cause. Ooh, that's good. I want to say that again. The offense will keep you from your cause, right? Offense will rob you of the great opportunities that you had. 
<laughs> people are sitting home like, well, I was right. Yeah, you're right. But guess what? You're still on the sidelines. You haven't done anything great just because you were right. Come on. It's good. And David would have never killed Goliath if he got offended. And it was one of the battles that we never talk about. He killed the lion. He killed the bear. But you know what he also did? He mastered being offended because he kept his eyes on the real enemy. And so here's what happens, right? Here's the process of offense. Number one, first, we get displeased. I don't like that. Something happens you don't, you don't like, right? You don't like. I remember one time we were at church, and somebody came up to me, and they're like, hey, you know, I just noticed that the worship team doesn't come out, you know, outside after the service and, like, greet people. <laughs> and, like, you know, who do they, this is, listen to this person's heart. You know, well, just, you know, who do they think they are? And so I just looked at him and I said, um, can I just tell you something? Can we be grateful for our worship team? Number one, they get here at 7 o'clock in the morning. And you see a lot of this stuff that they set up? They set it up. 7 o'clock in the morning. Right? And they're here and they're practicing. But let me just tell you a little bit more about the worship team. It didn't start on Sunday at 7 o'clock. They got a set list that they had to go through on Monday. And they had to put about an hour and a half in at home before they got to rehearsal. Then they got to rehearsal. And that was another two hours. So you're talking about three hours during the week without even Sunday. And then Sunday for our worship team is about a six-hour day. Because they got here at 7 and then they do their worship. And the reason I had to tell this person, I said, the reason why they're not out there greeting, it's because they're back there and they're tearing down. If you want to go say hi to the worship team, feel free to do that, but you'll know where they'll find them. And I thought how easy it is for people just to get displeased and misjudge other people. And you have no idea what's going on. Can I hear a good amen? And can I just encourage you, my church family and those online, when you start showing up and come back to in person, every person that is here is pretty much a volunteer, and they're giving their time to serve you. Can we be nice to them? Can I tell you, you want to hang out with the worship team? Why don't you get here at 7 o'clock? Bring them coffee. Bring them fat-free donuts. Gluten-free, grass-fed donuts. Bring them something. And you know what? The people on this stage that are getting here at 7 and hanging out, they're becoming besties. They're becoming friends. But it's amazing to me how people can get displeased. And here's the next thing that happens when people get uh, when the process of, of offense. They get resentful. And maybe it is because they, you didn't get the honor that you deserved. I'm going to tell you something. If you're in ministry for honor, because you want people to honor you, go to another business. Go to another business. I don't do this for a thank you. I don't do this for the applause of men. I do it for the applause of heaven. I'm going to tell you why. Because Jesus walked into his own hometown, and it says that they did not even honor Jesus. And you know what he did? Just kept going. The Bible says he could only do a few mighty miracles because they honored him. And my church family, I want to tell you something. If they can't honor Jesus... Now, we have a culture of honor in our church, but I'm just saying if you're looking for the pat on the back, sometimes you're not going to get it. And if you're going to allow that to make you become resentful, you're heading towards offense. Can I just encourage you today? God sees everything 
you do. You know, the Bible says that if you take a glass of water to a prophet, you get the prophet's reward. So God even sees you going and come on, doing that alkaline water and getting it or going to the store because one of our guest speakers went alkaline water. Well, you know what? We'll go get alkaline water because when that preacher speaks and he has miracles, guess what? We get the prophet's reward. Come on, somebody. Can I hear a good amen today? (laughs) All I got to do is get some water. All you got to do is serve. Can I hear a good amen today? And then what happens, here's the third process of offense is a person will fall back into their sinful ways. And I want to say this. That's the goal of the enemy. So when you have the opportunity to be offended, I want you to hear this. There's always a bigger picture. And you need to be aware of this. This isn't just about you fighting with your spouse. I'm going to tell you, here's the plan. That you fight with your spouse and it affects your kids. And when it affects your kids, when they grow up, they have a cycle now they have to break because of what happened because you were offended. And so now there's a cycle that's passed down to our kids and now they're offended. And somebody now has to be a cycle breaker. That's why I'm very aware that when me and my wife, we don't have arguments, we have disagreements. When we have disagreements, you need to be aware that the enemy is knocking at your door. I'm going to say this next week and I'll say it this week. You know, when I went to my, my, um, my grandmother's funeral, it's pretty, pretty amazing when you see generational family. It was my mom, my, my grandmother, watch this, five daughters. Each one of them now, right, had kids. And then each one of them of the five now is all grand. My mom is a grandma to my son, right? And so now all of them, and we just started to look. You got to see the family tree. And I thought about how one person, I don't know, there's probably 150 people in that room that one person's life affected. Statistics tell us today that the shyest person will influence 10,000 people in their lifetime. The enemy knows this. My church family, that, that's why this isn't just about a little offense. This is about, you know what? When you have a, a, a dispute or you have a disagreement with your spouse, the goal is he wants you divided. He doesn't want you unified. He wants you to get a divorce. Why? So it can forever scar your kids. Now listen, I know some of you have gone through divorces. It wasn't your fault. God help you. And you know what? Let me just tell you this. I pray healing over your family. It wasn't your fault. God knows that. But what I'm saying is you need to be aware of the bigger picture. This isn't just about you fighting with your boss. This isn't just about you fighting with friends. The enemy wants to destroy your peace, your joy, and your life. Can I hear a good amen today? Right? And this is what I love about David. David chose to fight Goliath, not with Iliad. Man, that's good. Fighting with your kids. Fighting with your dog. And your dog's still like... Right? I was telling my mom, man, it stinks. A diamond is a girl's best friend, but a dog is a man's best friend. But you know why? Because they'll love you unconditionally. You'll leave them outside. It'll be snowing. You'll leave them out there for two weeks. They'll be blue, right? And as soon as they thaw out, they'll be like, "Ah, I love you. I love you. Right? My church family, let's fight with the real enemy, the devil, who wants to divide your life. He wants to steal, kill, and destroy. He wants to see your family destroyed for generations to come. But let's not get offended. And here's the truth. Here's the great news as we close today. You can forgive. 
Maybe you have been hurt. I want to tell you, I wish I could tell you you'll never be hurt again. That's why we're preaching this message. Like, well, I'm not offended right now. I know, but you're going to have opportunity because God has a lot for you. And how you manage this right here can determine whether you are sidelined or have success. Can I hear a good amen today? Right? So you can forgive. And let me give you three things. We can forgive, number one, because God has forgiven you. See, you can't give what you don't have. I can't forgive you. A lot of people struggle. Here's why a lot of people struggle with forgiveness. They struggle with forgiveness because they forget how much God has forgiven them. And here's the cool thing. God has forgiven you. So you have something to forgive. You can forgive. He lavished your life with forgiveness, right? And so every sin, every sin for you that you have made, Jesus took care of on the cross. Can I hear a good amen? Everything in your past, Jesus wipes away. Because why? He has forgiven you. And so you have forgiveness to give because God has forgiven you and God has given it to you. Can I hear a good amen today? Look at what Ephesians chapter four, verse 32 says, and be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as Christ has forgiven you. So here's the standard. What is the standard? Is the standard is whether you forgive me? Because you know what? Some people will never forgive you. Here's the standard. The standard is you forgive as much as you have been forgiven. Now I'm going to tell you, for me, you don't want to put my sins up there. Because we'd be here for like 20 years. Just being honest. I have been forgiven a lot. So I'm reminded of that when people hurt me. That because I've been forgiven a lot guess what? I can forgive a lot. Now, there's a lot of misconceptions about forgiveness, and that's why I put this as number two. Forgiveness is not the invitation for them to hurt you again. My church family, I have a lot of people I've forgiven, but you know what? I don't trust them anymore, and they're not in my circle of friends anymore. I love them. If I see them, I don't ignore them, but my life has boundaries now. Can I hear a good amen today? And some, yeah, you can give the Lord a good round of applause for that. Right? And so here, here's the truth. The, because they hurt you, when you forgive them, it doesn't condone what they did. God's not up, up there saying, yeah, you know, they hurt you, they abused you, and if you forgive them, we're saying that's okay. No. Does God say that it's okay for us to sin? No, he doesn't say it's okay. But what he did was he sent his son, what? To relieve the debt so you don't have to pay it. Can I hear a good amen? And that's what happens when you forgive. You actually take the offense and you say, they don't owe me anymore. I'm going to give this to God. And you know what? God is just. God never says that vengeance is wrong. It just says vengeance is his. And when you put them in God's hand, God will take care of them. Can I hear a good amen today? Can I hear a better amen today? Listen, forgiveness isn't for them. It's for you. Because here's number three and the last one. I'm going to ask the worship team to come. Forgiveness sets you free from them. See, people who don't forget, it, to me it's so interesting because they don't see this. I hate them. I hate what they did to me. I'm so, I don't want to talk with them anymore. Well, then why are you still connected to them in, their, in your heart? Why are you still, right, harboring this? But here's what forgiveness does, is when you forgive, it breaks the chain that was connected from you to them. Can I hear a good amen today? And it sets you free. You're no longer a to them. You're no longer. Now, as people ask me all the time, it's a great question. Pastor Phil, 
well, you know what? Can I forgive and forget? Here's what I will tell you. Just because you forgive doesn't mean that all of a sudden your mind is washed clean. But here's what I have found. When I forgive, it affects my perspective of the past now. When I forgive, I'm looking back with a clean heart. And here's what happens. Even though I may never forget, it doesn't hurt anymore. Because we're not going to deny, now it never happened. Now this person, you know, they never hit me. Now they never abused me. That's not what we're saying. That's not what forgiveness says. What forgiveness does is it sets me free. And you know what? When you're free... It affects your mind, how you think, right? But my church family, forgiveness brings freedom. But unforgiveness, it'll bring more pain into your life, into your life. That person who hurt you can be in Hawaii on vacation, taking their selfies, all happy, and you're like, forgiveness is for you. So you can't take the bait. You know, I want to close with this. I was talking to a friend who's a doctor and um, they're finding out now that 80% of chronic pain is emotional. 80% of chronic pain in your body is emotional. And I was talking to a doctor because I wrote a book. It's called The Power of Thank You. And there's a whole chapter in there on forgiveness. And I I was talking to him about what he thought about the statistic. And another doctor said 80% of chronic pain in our life is physical. He said, I would tell you this. I have had patients come to me as a doctor and I cannot figure out their diagnosis. We run tests after tests after tests. And guess what? All the tests come back negative. There's nothing on paper that says that they are sick. And he says, so finally, I just tell him, I think you need to go see a counselor. And they'll go see a counselor. And you know what the counselor says? He'll hear the story and they'll say, here's the remedy you need to forgive and this doctor who's not a Christian told me he says what's interesting is when that patient comes back and they say I feel so much better he says what happened he says I went to the therapist that you told me to go to and I I poured out my guts and they said you need to forgive when I forgave it was like freedom came into me like bricks were lifted off my shoulders and you know what the doctor said that patient's symptoms were all gone. My church family, God knows what he's talking about with forgiveness to be able to be free today. Would you stand? Did you receive today's word? Come on, let's not take the bait of offense. Let's be forgiving because in hard times, you don't want to have a hard heart. You want to have a tender heart and you want to let go. Would you bow your heads? If you're watching online, let's just take this moment as we close out today's service. Some of you have been hurt. People spoke things over your life. And like Gilead, it really wasn't about you. It was about them. And I want to encourage us today. Let's not fight with Gilead. Let's fight against the real enemy, who is the devil, our Goliath. And the great news is David defeated him, cut his head off. He did it. And he did it in the power of God. And so today, with every head bowed and every eye closed, I want to minister to you today. How's your heart today? What's, what's, What's tearing at you today? I'm telling you, there's a strategic plan to sideline you. There's a strategic plan of the enemy. 
He's offended. It comes to all of us, my church family, not just you, not just because of the color of your skin. It comes to all of us because the goal is to kill, steal, and destroy from our life. And I just feel like the Holy Spirit is highlighting a person to me, whether you're watching online or here in person. I feel like you're a parent and your your child, I feel like there's an older child and they've really, really hurt you and really, really offended you. And I'm telling you today that God is ministering to you and he loves you. And commit that kid, that child to the Lord today. Commit that child to God today and watch what he will do. Yeah, you may have to put up some boundaries because of the way that they treated you. But I'm saying today, right now, commit them to the Lord. Come on, lift up your hands all over this place as a sign of you are letting it go. You are forgiving today. Maybe you need to say this prayer. Lord, I forgive and then say their name and make a choice. Lord, I forgive and make a decision today. Make a decision to let it go. Lord, heal our hearts. Strengthen your people today. Father, to see the perspective that you have for them and their life, Father God. Empower your people today that we together can kill the Goliaths in our life. In Jesus' name. That we would arise above racism. We would arise above the hate. Come on. With love and not an offended heart but a loving heart full of wisdom and truth. Thank you, Jesus. Every head bowed and every eye closed, I just want to say this prayer. Maybe you've never invited Jesus to come inside your heart. Maybe you're watching today and you've never heard that Jesus died on the cross to forgive you of all your sins. He did. And you know what? He wants to come inside your heart. He wants to forgive you of everything that you've done. And he wants to come inside you and make you new today. He died for you. The Bible says that if we'll believe in our heart, we'll confess with our mouth that he is our Lord. He'll come inside our heart. And one day when you take your last breath on earth and your first breath in heaven, guess what? You can do that because Jesus came inside your heart today. Thank you. Let's pray. If you've never prayed this prayer, I'd like for you to pray. If you've prayed this prayer before, let's pray for those that are praying it for the first time. Everybody repeat after me. Say, Father God, come on, say it loud. Father God, thank you for sending your son, Jesus, to die on the cross for me. Father God, forgive me of all of my sin. Jesus, come inside my heart and make me new. And by the power of the Holy Spirit, I will live for you. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Come on, let's give the Lord a good round of applause like we are free. Because we are. Amen. Thank you for listening today. We hope that you were encouraged and uplifted by today's message. For more information about Passion Life Church, visit us online at passionlifechurch.com.